And welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is on Mark chapter 13, verses 1 to 13, and it's entitled Following Faithfully. And it's the last of our Follow the Saviour series in Mark. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The Lord be with you. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 13, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings, Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, Do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, Do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Loving Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, in a world of wars and rumours of wars, in a world of instability and confusion, we thank you that you are our constant. And so we pray, Lord, that you would... Help us to hear your word this morning and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Mark 16 is sometimes called Mark's Little Apocalypse or the Olivet Discourse, which makes it sound really daunting. 
It's the biggest chunk of teaching in Mark's Gospel, which up to this point has been full of action and not much conversation. Jesus has been preaching about the Kingdom of God, working miracles to reveal himself as the Saviour, as the way to God, and working his way slowly towards Jerusalem. As Jesus and his disciples leave the temple courts after teaching there, a friend tries to cheer him up. And he says, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. I told you today's reading was going to be daunting. (laughs) It's the most difficult chapter in Mark to understand. But if I was going to summarize its message for you, I'd, uh, I'd say it like this. Keep calm and carry on. Uh, now there's, you, I imagine you've seen a lot of these signs around the place and there's some different iterations. It's uh, really been picked up and, and riffed off over the last couple of years. Uh, there's this one, keep calm and grow a moustache, uh, if anyone's doing Movember. Um, this, this one is on our fridge, keep calm and fluoro disco. Uh, Micah's fluoro disco at school was cancelled this week because of rain. Uh, but it's, it's up there on our fridge. Or um, this one, my favourite, keep calm and eat Doritos. <laughs> the original keep calm sign was drawn up as a motivational poster in preparation for World War II back in 1939. 2.4 million copies were produced in the lead-up. Uh, they, they could see that Hitler was gathering armies and gathering um, arms, and so they thought, well, we need to send a message to the public. Keep calm and carry on. Now, a lot of the messages, um, a lot of the posters were destroyed uh, and it never really um, took off this message, but it was rediscovered in 2000, and that's when Keep Calm posters became fashionable again. But this is what Jesus is saying in Mark 13. Keep calm and carry on. In Mark 13, Jesus warns his disciples about the future and gives them guidance about how to live after his crucifixion. He warns them of wars and rumours of wars and encourages them to stay faithful to the end. So let's look at wars and rumours of wars. Over the last two weeks, we've been seeing Jesus teaching in the temple. Herod's temple was the center of religious life, but the puppet king Herod had designed it as part shopping mall, part court, and part meeting place. In Jesus' day, it was 50 years into construction, but it was still in progress. Now, Herod wasn't religious, but the temple made people happy. And this, in turn, made the Roman overlords happy. Herod's temple was massive. The first temple, (coughs) built by King Solomon, uh, was awesome, but it was destroyed by the Babylonians. Then, in 516 BC, King Zerubbabel, try and say that three times fast, King Zerubbabel uh, came back from exile and rebuilt the temple. But it wasn't as good as Solomon's temple. And so later, King Herod came along and he fully renovated. He beefed up the temple. He made it many times, probably about six or seven times as big as Solomon's temple. 
The courts were the size of 12 football fields. The Holy of Holies at the center was 45 meters high, easily the biggest building most people at the time had ever seen. And there was so much gold leaf adorning the temple that you couldn't look directly at it during the middle of the day because of the brightness of the sun. It was a marvel of architecture, engineering, and art. And so for many people, it was a totem of safety. Even though life was hard and unstable, people looked at the temple as a beacon of hope, a sign that God had not left his people. This is why one of Jesus' disciples tries to cheer him up by pointing him to the temple and saying, Jesus, it's okay, look at this amazing temple. But Jesus turns around and says, you see this temple? Not one stone will be laid on another. It will all be torn down. This place is temporary. And so Jesus takes his disciples outside of Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives, which is at a higher elevation than Jerusalem itself. And you can look out over Jerusalem and over the temple from the Mount of Olives. And there Peter and James and John come up to Jesus and they ask, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? They want the inside goss. This is the big news and the three amigos want to know what the signs will be. They want to know when to panic. And so Jesus says, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. Now it's here that many hucksters uh, like to take out their charts and uh, tell you the signs of the end of the age. The deceiver is this politician and the rise of China will prompt an earthquake in Uganda and if you give my ministry enough money, I'll send you my book about all the signs. It's strange that um, a lot of these people, uh, they'll tell you all the signs, but they actually won't tell you how to respond to them, how to live in light of them. You just need to give money to their ministry in order to keep it going. It's ironic that they do this because here Jesus warns us about these very people. These people will pop up, pop up like mushrooms and history has proven him right. He tells us that there will be wars and earthquakes and famines, but we are not to be alarmed. Strangely enough, Mark 13 is meant to calm his disciples, not to rile us up. He doesn't call these things that are coming, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, those things, famines. He doesn't say that they are signs. Instead, he calls them birth pains. Now, when Zoe was having mica, she had pains even before we went into the hospital. And it was hours between her first contractions and the birth. The pain told us that the birth was coming, but it wasn't a sign to panic. I remember there was a point in, in the birth, and I'm not going to get too graphic, don't worry. Um, 
But there was a point uh, where the doctors didn't know what to do, and the nurses didn't know what to do, and everyone was just, everyone was just sort of walking around in a little bit of confusion. And it was about a 20-minute period um, where, where no one, everyone was looking at each other and no one knew what to do, and I was, I was freaking out. Um, and that 20-minute period felt like two hours. It felt so long because I just didn't know what to do. I was so powerless. But then all of a sudden, um, a nurse um, took another look at Zoe and said, the baby's coming. <laughs> and, um, and she got on the phone and it was, it was like a movie and she was just like, nurses, come in, we're having a baby in here. And all of a sudden, from there on, um, Micah came into the world. And there was so much joy birthed in that moment. It was a reminder for me to keep calm in amongst the confusion and to remember that the trials ahead will be worth it for the final joy. Friends, it's the same with the wars and the rumours of wars that Jesus is talking about. The floods in Dolby this week might have frightened you and made you wonder if this was the beginning of the end. But here we are on the other side and the sun has come out and the water has dried up. Or perhaps the news that as of December 17, unvaccinated people uh, will be banned from many public spaces has made you wonder if the end is nigh. I know for a lot of my friends and family, we're worried about um, all sorts of division. But Jesus here is telling us that Confusion and chaos and bad things are birth pains. A reminder that fallen creation is groaning for its recreation. They're not indicators of the end. You see, when God made the world, there was no hunger, no disease, no suffering. It was all good. But when the first people, Adam and Eve, sinned, suffering and death came into the world. We recognize bad things in our world as bad because we are made for God's good world. But through our sin, and sin in general, the sins of others, we live in a world where God's good order has been defied and chaos reigns. It's a bit like in school when one student defies a teacher and rejects their authority. Slowly the classroom gets out of hand. Jesus is saying bad things are a reminder that all things are not as they should be and that this world will be reborn. One of the reasons Mark is hard for us to understand is because Jesus' warnings apply to things that have already happened and to things that are yet to happen. Some of the things that Jesus talks about in Mark 13 have already come and gone. But this is also reassuring because it shows the faithfulness of his words. In AD 70, only 40 years after Jesus utters these words, the temple was surrounded by Roman armies because of an uprising in Jerusalem. And they sacked the city. They set the temple on fire and tore down the temple the massive stones that made this beautiful building that the disciples are pointing out to Jesus came tumbling down. For many, this seemed like the end of the world. Fighters hold themselves up in the temple courts and fought to the bitter end. But not Christians. 
not followers of Jesus. They left the city before the soldiers surrounded it because they heeded Jesus' words. They knew the destruction of the temple was not going to be the end of the world. And they should keep calm and carry on. The other night, Micah, um, we asked Micah when the end of the world was coming in our in family time. Uh, you, may, you may do that in your study booklets uh, for the series. Um, and one of the questions was, when will the end of the world come? And Micah's response was, when Jesus is ready. Jesus tells us later in Mark 13 that only God the Father knows when Jesus will return. He's not going to tell us the list of signs for his coming. And if Jesus doesn't know it, then neither does that man in a suit on TV. But when Jesus returns, he will restore God's good order. The end will come when Jesus is ready. So how are we to live in the meantime? Well, we are to stay faithful until the end. <coughs> Jesus says, you must be on your guard in verse 9. He then goes on to warn his disciples that persecution will come. His disciples will be dragged before local authorities, and we can see this in the book of Acts, as well as all throughout church history. The message of Jesus doesn't gel with everyone, but that doesn't, not, that doesn't mean it's not true, and that doesn't mean that it's wrong to tell others. Again, history proves the faithfulness of Jesus' words and the importance of taking them seriously. Tom Wright, um, Anglican bishop and theologian, says this, Many Christians today face persecution every bit as severe as that which the early church suffered. And those Christians who don't face persecution often face the opposite temptation, to stagnate, to become cynical, to suppose that nothing much is happening and that the kingdom of God is just a pious dream. There is warning in these words, but there's also a lot of comfort. We ask to stay vigilant, be alert but not alarmed. Jesus says in verse 11, Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever you are given at the time, for it is not you speaking but the Holy Spirit. Jesus reminds us that he won't abandon us. And when we experience conflict for believing in him, he is with us. He won't leave us as orphans, and the Holy Spirit will guide us and sustain us. Opposition to Jesus isn't a sign that Christianity isn't true. It's evidence that Jesus' words are true. Perhaps the most stern warning comes in verse 12, where Jesus says, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. It sounds drastic, but Jesus is being realistic about the fate of his people. Some think that the Christian life is a cakewalk. That if we believe in Jesus, health and wealth is automatically ours. But here Jesus tells us the opposite. He warns his disciples that even their closest relatives may betray them. But this again is not a sign of his failure. It's a reality of following Jesus faithfully. Jesus is about to be 
betrayed by his closest friend, Judas. But he knows that he needs to persevere until the end. The Christian life is about following Jesus, not for the stuff it gives you. It's about following the Saviour faithfully to the end, knowing that he has more in store. And here Jesus gives us a silver lining on his stern warning. Mark 13, 13 says, The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. If you look up, um, as I was praying this morning, uh, I was thinking about this passage, and I looked up to this beautiful stained glass window at the back of the church. And you may notice that underneath Jesus' feet, there's um, an angel holding a plaque, and it says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. This is the Christian message. Stand firm, because God's kingdom is breaking into our world, and it's glorious. Here again, in verse 13, Jesus uses this salvation word. It's a wholeness, a peace, a fullness, something that we're all deeply yearning for. The bad things in this world remind us that this world is not our forever home, that God's kingdom is not of this world, and our eternal destiny rests with him. Jesus promises to make all things new and restore God's good order. Our role isn't to predict the future. It's to keep calm and carry on living for Jesus. And so friends, as we follow, finish up the Follow the Saviour series and celebrate Christ the King next Sunday, it's going to be awesome, uh, and look towards Advent and Christmas, today is a helpful reminder of our call to remain faithful to Jesus. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, today's words might make you think twice about becoming a Christian. But you must know we follow Jesus not because it's easy, but because it's worth it. It's amazing how many doomsday prophecies end with an asteroid hitting the earth, or ice caps melting, or humans destroying each other. These are pessimistic hopes. They're, they're, there's this understanding that um, everything is going to go wrong in the future. But friends, in Jesus, the good news of the gospel is that the best is yet to come. Families reunited, creation restored to its good order, and God's people sitting in God's presence forevermore. Following Jesus is tough at times, but in a world of wars and rumours of wars, Jesus gives us hope and a future and purpose beyond compare. If you are a follower of Jesus today, then this passage is a reminder to faithfully live for him, to keep calm and carry on. Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago to save you, and your name is written in heaven. Nothing in all creation can separate you from God's love. But that doesn't make you immune from suffering, and it doesn't mean your life will be all beer and skittles. 
Instead, you may be called to testify for your faith. And faithfully following Jesus will involve a continuous process of sanctification, of changing your life, of living in Jesus' image. Our job is not to peer into our crystal balls to predict the end. Instead, it's to know that Jesus will never leave us and will never let us down. Rain, hail or shine, the Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. The destruction and the temple um, was a mark for the first followers of Jesus. But it was a mark that they needed to go into the world believing that they were temples of the Holy Spirit. Little agents of God, little places in the world where the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world come into contact. They took the news of Jesus across the world. And the good news is that Jesus has died to atone for our sins and risen to reconcile us to God. Every day is a day closer to the day when Jesus returns. That's why my sermons are so long. Because when you start the sermon, you'll be much closer to Jesus than when you finish. <laughs> I, I mean the other way around. Oh my goodness. <laughs> when you finish the sermon, you... <laughs> Don't worry about that. It sounded much smarter in my head. <laughs> Every day is a, close, is a day closer to Jesus' return. The day when Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes and sin, suffering and death will be a thing of the past. Friends, we need to recapture this for ourselves today. To love people around us like Jesus would love them. To study his words faithfully, sharing them with our families and neighbours. And to faithfully follow Jesus wherever he leads. Let's keep calm and carry on. Let's follow the Saviour faithfully our whole lives through. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.